0: Well, thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, without any fiddling and duddling. They call us the good guys. I don't know why, because we're not really that good. Well, we think we're good, but actually we're just kind of mediocre. My name is Morgan Freeman, and I'd like to welcome you to the Gary Lovett and Friends podcast. That's Gary and his brother, Keith. By the way, why doesn't Keith get top billing? Hey, folks, Gary Levitt here, along with my brother, Keith. This is Gary Levitt and friends, and it is our first podcast. Keith, how you doing? I'm doing good. Yeah, doing good. good. Real good. Real good. Did you have your <laughs> you have your eggs and bacon this morning? No, I didn't have my eggs and bacon this morning. Oh, yeah, that's right. I don't know, but I ate. I ate well and I'm feeling good and I'm ready to rock and roll. And folks, we are going to rock and roll this morning. We have. Yeah. For the people out there that are basketball fans from way long ago up to today, the one and only Iceman, George Gervin. How's that?
1: Smooth. No one like Ice. Greatest scorer that I've ever had the pleasure of watching in the NBA. I mean, that guy had it all. Absolute everything. He did the finger roll better than anybody, Keith. Yeah, he did. He took it to a a different level. You know, we, we always think back to the finger roll of Connie Hawkins, Will Chamberlain, of course, Dr. J. But Iceman made it a legitimate shot. Literally, he could arc it over any defender, no matter the height or the vertical leap that that guy might present to him. Ice could hit any angle off that glass. And soft as soft serve ice cream, that thing would just dribble around the rim and boom. And
0: he was fantastic. And he could do it from any distance, which was crazy. I saw him once take a finger roll shot from about the foul line that hit on top of the backboard and just slid down right into the hoop. He had to do that because Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was covering him. Yeah, we used to do that with a puff basketball. I mean, everything that he did, we'd emulate out in the
1: garage playing puff basketball. As kids. Of course, he
0: means Nerf basketball, Puff basketball. They're probably saying, "What's Puff basketball?" No, it's Puff
1: basketball. It's not Nerf. It's Puff, Puff ball.
0: <laughs> and and of course, the three point line in our garage was where the garage door came up from. So you had to not only jump up, but you'd have to shoot over that bar that went across the garage and put it in the hoop that way. That was pretty fun.
1: Yeah, that's because you know, and also increased our vertical. And we're just little white boys with a
0: struggling vertical game. And so that actually helped us out a little bit. And of course, the uh, guy that played in the neighborhood with us, he actually put his hand through the garage door window on one shot. Remember that? Yeah. Well, that's (laughs) par for the course. (laughs) Certainly was. Folks, it's going to be Gary Levitt and friends, or in this case, it's Gary and Keith Levitt. And we're going to do podcasts on a weekly basis, and we're going to talk to some of the most famous people in the entire world. That will include professional athletes, Hollywood actors and actresses, world-famous musicians, top-notch comedians, some great human interest stories, and much more. But technology, well, it's a challenge for me. Mm. So we do have a producer, and Dave Yes, who's one of the best in New England, for that matter, the rest of the country, is going to explain the ground rules. Thank you.
2: Thank you. Uh, Coming into a round of applause. See, when you... When you control the soundboard, you can do stuff like that and applaud for yourself. Thank you, guys. Yes, this is David Yaz from the Boston Podcast Network. Pod617.com is where this podcast will be featured along with lots of others. So I'm excited because to, to add this one to our library because uh, you know we work with a lot of professionals at Pod617.com. And no offense to the accountants and lawyers out there, but they don't normally talk to George Gervin and the likes of that. And... You know, I like spending time with guys who uh, can let their hair down, you know, when they used to have more hair. And, and I know that there's um, a whole library of characters inside your head, Gary, that I, I love speaking to from time to time. And, you know, where else can you go and get advice from Johnny Moss one moment and Morgan Freeman the next? Are, will, they make, will they make appearances, Gary? They
0: certainly will. My count right now is up to 10,001 celebrity voice impersonations. Really? 10,001. Yes. 10,001. <laughs> That's right. The, the, the last one was David. Yes, I can hear
2: his voice now. <laughs> so we're, we're excited. And just as a, as a public service announcement to our listeners, you can get this podcast on pod617.com, but you probably want to listen on your favorite podcast platform. So you'll find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find your shows, and we thank you for listening.
0: Thank you, David, and folks. Without further ado, we bring to you our first interview on the Gary and Keith podcast with the one and only Ice Man, George Gervin. Good morning again, folks. It's Gary Lovett and friends on a Sunday morning. My brother Keith is right here next to me. He is the sage when it comes to professional sports. We're going to go to the phone lines right now, but before we do, I want to give this guy the best intro that I possibly can. Yeah, you got to do that. All right. So here's the deal, folks. When it comes to smooth and just being cool, there's no one like him in NBA or ABA history. I think sports history. Maybe in sports history as well. (laughs) He's suave. (laughs) Yeah. All the women loved him, <laughs> and the defenders in the NBA and ABA—they just could not cover him. No, and of course I'm talking about the Ice Man, the one, the only, George Gervin. Woo, woo, big score. <laughs>
1: Decent intro, eh, George? <laughs>
3: yeah, I know. Man. Oh, this is
1: awesome, George. Let me tell you, uh, When Gary told me, he says, we might potentially have an opportunity to speak with the Iceman. And there's only one Iceman. It's George Girvin. I was just beside myself. And and the fact that it's a reality right now is amazing. Gary, my older brother, by two years, he started us on this ABA endeavor. Years and years. When we were just kids, little kids. And he was talking about this red, white, and blue league. Red, white, and blue basketball league. And then we started watching. We were up in Portland, Maine. Gary, yep. take it away. Gary, yeah. Gary's the ABA <laughs> aficionado. Go so what it,
0: what it was, George, is we were kind of biding our time or splitting our time between Portland, Maine, and Peabody, Massachusetts. You're here in Massachusetts. You're seeing the Celtics on TV. However, in Maine, they used to broadcast the ABA. And I see these guys with these big old afros that I had never seen in the NBA. And then I'm seeing guys that are walking on air. They're above the rim. They're not playing with their shoes tied to the court. And I say to myself, this is like, this is art in motion. And it truly was. And the ABA, to me, to this day, during that time when you played, the doctor played, Otis Gilmore, George McGinnis, the whole crew, Mel Daniels it's it's huge that the ABA was my league and forever will be my league. Oh, well,
3: wow, that's good, man.
0: Well, I'm fortunate that the league was around when,
3: you know, in the 70s when, you know, I had my opportunity to play, um, you know, especially since I left school early and the NBA wasn't drafting hardships. Um, so, you know, the ABA, you know, kind of, you know, that was my introduction to professional basketball, man. So, you know, I have my true love for the game and, and for the ABA. And, you know, thank goodness, man, that, you know, Virginia Squires around and needed a guy like me to, you know, to be a part of their organization, man. So I'm like you, man. That ABA, that man, basketball was something special.
0: Now, you start your career collegiately with Tarcanian, Jerry Tarkanian, the Shark, and then you go back to play in Michigan, right?
3: Yeah, I went back to Eastern Michigan.
0: And and how come you did that? What was the deal with that?
3: Well, I just, you know, never been away from home. Yeah. Uh, we got homesick, and, you know, just, you know, I was, what, 18, 17, 18 years old, and making that kind of transition, I wasn't really ready for it, you know, mentally, Right. You know, kind of wanted to go back and be around the guys that I grew up with and play with some of them guys that was at Eastern Michigan. So I left Tark. Uh, didn't it didn't have anything to do with Tark. I mean, it was just me growing up and, you know, just wasn't ready to make that you know, type of change in my life.
1: Hey, now, when you do go back to Eastern Michigan, it's not too long after that Johnny Red Kerr spots you. I think, because you left there. Did you go play in the Eastern Basketball League? Was it the Eastern yeah, Bas- yeah,
3: I did. I went and played in Continental Basketball. You know, I stayed it. in school a couple of years. Yep. You know what happened, how I got out of school. You know, we got into a big brawl in uh, Roanoke, Virginia. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, you know and that kind of, you know, threw me off. And, you know, and the school kind of China was going to suspend me. So I decided to withdraw from school and went and played in a continental basketball, and that's when Johnny Rea Kerr saw me. You know, I was averaging probably about 38 points. And Johnny, oh. you know, Johnny saw me and, and introduced me to the Virginia Squires on Earl Foreman, and that's how I became a, a Virginia Squire, you know, a Dr. J teammate. That's right.
0: Now, on that Virginia Squire team, do you recall the starting five when you were there?
3: Oh, wow. Starting five was Dr. J, George Irvine. Jim uh, Akins. Yep. <laughs> I, want, I want to say uh, George Carver or uh,
0: somebody else, man. How was that to be on the, on the court playing with Julius Irving? To me, the two greatest offensive threats from the ABA are George Gervin and Julius Irving. And to be on the same team together, that, that must have been incredible.
3: Well, it was fun for me because, you know, I was a rookie, obviously, and, you know, Josh was the ABA, you know, at that time. So, you know, I mean, me being the respectful guy that I was to a guy like that, you know, it was great for me. I mean, so I put on my learning cap, you know, uh, to, you know, to to, to find out, you know, what it took to, you know, to have some success, you know, in, in that league. So... Doc was a big influence to me, man. I, you know, I really respect and love Doc to this day, man. I mean, to this day, I'm 68, and he might be 69. He still called me rookie. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that's the respect and love that I that I had for him, man. So, yeah. you know, Doc would always be one of my all-time greats and friends.
0: I think he calls you rookie because he has more white in the hair than you do.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, I cut man off, so you can't see
0: man. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I meant.
1: <laughs> George, you only spent uh, were you with the Squires for only a year. Two years. Two years with the Squires. Then you get traded. You get traded to the Spurs.
3: Yeah, well, you know they, you know, it's, 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 you know how the league, the yeah. league was struggling. I mean, so owners needed money, and you know, so the opportunity came for me to go to San Antonio and. And they sold my contract to San Antonio. So that was the beginning, you know, of uh, a long relationship for me and San Antonio Spurs.
0: And that San Antonio team was an incredible team in both the ABA and in the NBA. Would you say the ABA Spurs were better than the NBA or vice versa? No,
3: no. the, The NBA Spurs was better. I mean, it's... You know, and especially over the long run. I mean, we competed and we won divisional champs when I played for them yeah. over the eleven years. But you know, when you know, when we really got into the, you know, to really, I guess, establishing that that franchise, man. You you know, you see what they accomplished. Yeah. You know, over the Tim Duncan and David Robinson era, they won five championships. So. But, you know, we was the foundation. I mean, everybody needed a good foundation to grow. So uh, we planted the seed and made a strong trunk, you know. And uh, the guys just took it off and took it to another
0: level. And, of course, with uh, the Western Conference, when you're playing against the Lakers with Kareem and Magic and company, you guys were – you stood stood them up many just, times. Just right, were close. right with them.
3: Yeah, man. No, we competed. We felt – Especially since we got hard to deal, we felt we could beat them. I mean, you know, they, they, you know, I ain't going to say they feared us, but they respected us, and they were just too good, man. I mean, uh, they were just too good, man. They won the big games at the right time. Uh, You know, I mean, you got, you know, you look at that team, man, doing that era, man. Look how many Hall of Famers you got, man. Uh, You know, you had guys, man, that just knew how to play, man, and they played well as a team. You know, so, and then you got who I think is, you know, one of the greatest of all time, Kareem. Well, then you got Magic, you know I mean, and then you got role guys like yep. Cooper, and, and man, man, he, them guys was real special, man. So, it was unfortunate to us, man, that any time we was going to have a shot to get to the finals, man, we had to go through them yep. uh, in the West, and in the East, we had to go through the Washington Bullets, so. Right, with all the... You know, they stopped me from getting one, but that's how the game goes. I thought, well, they said that's how the ball bounced.
1: I remember uh, both those instances when you, you guys tangled with the bullets. At the, it was the bullets, the Washington Bullets. But then I – especially the Lakers. That one series, I can't remember the exact year. You guys went six games with the Lakers, and I thought I – I was rooting for you guys so hard. And then I, you, know, you had the A train, you had Johnny Moore handling the ball, James Silas yourself. It was just a great team. You guys were so much fun to watch.
3: Yeah, man, we did, man. We, I told you, man, we really thought we could beat them, man. We went up there in the Lake of Land and made a 1-2. Yep. Then they came back saying, do 1-2, you uh, know what I mean? So, we and yeah, we had a good – man, I'm, I'm proud of my guys, man. I mean, it's put in the effort, man, and, you know, I, I – they was they was just pretty good, man. I mean, you know, them guys, man, just knew how to play, man. So, I, you know, it's, it's 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 a good conversation piece, man. But
0: in the end, we still lost. I know you did, folks. We're speaking with George the Iceman, Gervin, NBA great, ABA great, listed in the top fifty NBA players of all, all time, time yeah. which is fantastic. Hall Fame, NBA huh? Hall of Fame. And I'm going to go back to the seventies. When the leagues merged. Mm. And I remember the first year, once the leagues merged, the All Star game, 10 of the players that are in that NBA All Star right. game are from the ABA. Yeah, that's that's right. number one. Number two, yeah. scoring leaders for that year at the end of the season are between George Gervin mm-hmm. and David Thompson, right. both from the ABA. I think that validates how good that leg was.
3: I mean, it, you know, we had something to prove. I mean, we didn't get the recognition, you know, that I, you know, felt we deserve, uh, you know, as far as being professional basketball players, uh, you know, in the NBA, you know, obviously was the league everybody wanted to play in. I mean, so all the NBA guys knew of us cause, you know, we bumped into each other, you know, throughout you know, the country playing against each other. So they all knew about us. I mean, so once we merged, you know, it's like anything else. I mean, you know, we got something to prove. We got something to prove that we belong. And you just showed. I mean, you just, you know, read off 10 guys made the All-Star team the next year. You know, myself and and DT, you know, David Thompson, you know, uh, led the, the league and, and, and scoring. I mean, so, we were definitely uh, real pros, man. and We are a big part of the NBA's foundation as it is today. So, you know, like I know, I mean, without a strong foundation, you you know, you, you can't grow. That's right. You know, so, as you, I, I'm just proud. Shows like yourself and, you know, uh, The Dropping Dimes Foundation is, you know, is helping people understand how important this American Basketball Association League is to the league today, you know. Absolutely. uh,
0: It certainly is. Now, what I was going to say is this. So getting into the Dropping Dimes Foundation, which is basically for ABA basketball players that were promised pensions when the leagues merged, and then the folk in the NBA, as well as some of the people that were still part of the ABA doing the negotiations, they reneged on the deal. And thanks to Bob Netalicki, who's a good friend of yours, we, we found out a lot about the Dropping Dimes Foundation, which we're going to continue to campaign for and help everybody out for. As a matter of fact, folks, here on Gary Lovett and Friends, we're going to start selling the red, white, and blue basketballs uh, to basketball. raise money for that foundation. That's great. And folks, if you don't know who George Gervin is, then you no. don't know basketball. You're That's living under one. a rock. You're living under <laughs> a rock for the past fifty years, sixty years, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But this is what I'll say right now about the ABA, Keith. Yeah. I want you to validate this, George. You can say yay or nay. Go ahead. If you, you were going to take the top five players from the ABA yeah. in the mid seventies, yeah. before the leagues merged, and then after the leagues merged, here's my starting five, and I'll take this starting five over. The best NBA starting ahead, five of ahead. that time, as well as, well as any five. Games. They played yeah, games. I know that, but here we go. Go ahead. Give so we got starting five. Go. George Gervin and David Thompson at guard. Mm. Julia serving. Yeah. Now, it's either going to be George McGinnis or Moses Malone at power forward and the A train in the middle. Ooh. Does that team beat any five from the NBA in the 70s, George?
3: Oh, ain't no question. I yeah. mean, ain't no question. We got firepower. I mean, we got defense. I mean,. Uh, And you got the awareness of the game. So, yeah, I mean, I think we could beat anybody. I love that
0: team. Now, could that team – okay, so I'm I'm putting the pressure on you, George. I'm putting the pressure on you. So, Fasten your seatbelt. Here we go. Here we go. So if you take those five and you take the best five from the 90s, the early 2000s, the 2000s teens, and we're going to leave out the 60s for a while. We'll leave out the 60s (laughs) of the Russell and Chamberlain years. But from the 70s all the way up to today – does that five beat any five from any generation?
3: Well, you know, when you say beat, and, yeah. and then I you agree know, you got to give me a better criteria. You talking about, about seven game series? I think we can beat anybody. Yeah.
1: I agree with that. You
3: know, I mean, cause so, you know, I mean, again, I mean, all of us been proven that we know how to win and we knew how to play. Mm. I mean, you know, like I know basketball is designed to play one way, man, and that's as a team. Yeah. You know, and the teams that play as a team are the teams that win. We, we all know once we get on the floor, we put our eagles, you know, we yeah. leave them at the door, you know, because it's all about winning. So that group that you just named are capable of doing that. You know, because, you know, like you say, Jordan McGinnis or, or, or Moses, mm. I mean, you, you ain't going to find, you know. I mean, when you start talking about greats, you know, you kind of start thinking about that. Timmy Duncan's, uh, you know, you gotta go way up there when you're talking about them two guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, man, them two guys, man. Yeah. You know, people just don't know, you know what I mean? And again, you know, radio shows like yourself are the only ones that don't seem to be able to introduce guys like George McGinnis. I mean, we already know uh, Moses had an unbelievable career. Mm-hmm that's what's going to introduce, you know, basketball fans to the, the guys of yesterday, man, because, that's right. you know, again, it's all about the foundation, man. It's, it's all about, you know, uh, uh, unheard, what they call them, unsung heroes. Yep. I mean, them guys, man, they were heroes back in them days when you started talking about basketball.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. George, I got to ask you, because I know a listeners out there are always going to uh, associate you with the finger roll. And you, you could do that shot from any angle, underneath the hoop, uh, back, the, back of the hoop, from the free throw line. It didn't matter where you were on the court. It was such a, a sweet shot. And you just took it to a different level. I know that you were affected by Chamberlain. I, I remember Wilt doing it, but he didn't do it like you, nor did Connie Hawkins. Yours was unique. How did you develop that unique release on that finger roll shot?
3: You know, I, I think over time, you know what I mean? you know like you mentioned will and, and Connie and doc you know they all had a version yeah. of it you know and and I ain't have to reinvent the wheel you know I mean all I had to do was perfect it yeah you know I mean so you know I had guys that I saw do it and I mean and then I started trying different ways to do it and then it just became a part of me you know I mean because I, I know when you and your your son was looking at you know the uh, YouTube on me yeah. They show a lot of it. Me going to the hoop. Yep. You know, I mean, because you know that's what I did, man. That was a great percentage shot. You know, I mean, you know, for me to have twenty six thousand points and shoot fifty one percent, I had to take quality shots.
0: Right. Right.
3: That was part of my quality. Yeah. You know, is mid range and and being able to use both hands and and go to the hoop. So. I loved it, man. Yeah. I mean, it's, it just became a part of what I did, man. And uh, You know, I, I just haven't seen anybody else able to do it like that.
1: The only two that I can recall, this is going back into my, 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 uh, my mind, and I think of you and I think of Havelchak. I think of the greatest mid-range game players, the guys that have always had a motor going. Your motor never stopped, nor does his, and you could play the glass like no one else.
3: Man, when I first played, when I first played against Howard you know, once we made that transformation from the APA NBA, yeah. man, it was scary, man. I kept saying, man, why don't you stop? <laughs> he just kept running around, the pitch, man, I mean, he just kept running, man, and, and getting free and, and shooting that little mid-range jumper. Yeah. I mean, so he was definitely, man, uh, an inspiration to me, man, in, 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 in how to play the game. He, right, he, he was thinking and playing.
1: You guys were like the same height.
3: Thinking and playing. Yeah. Yeah, I was a little bit taller than, than, than I was Jack, man. But, you know, this is his wit. I yeah. I and, uh, his, you know, his ability to shoot the ball the, and, and to understand the game. I mean, I'm telling you, man, he never stopped. Yeah. You know, when you sit and watch him. Your, your yeah, it's like tennis. Your eyes just keep going back and forth, man. Cause this guy go back and forth, man. So you know, yeah. when you mention him, man, he, he he was one of the special guys, dude.
1: George, who was the toughest guy you ever went up against? Toughest player you ever
3: played against? Wow, man, it's just so hard, man. I mean, you know, I get that question all the time. You do, okay? You know, I mean, it's it's just it was so many great ones. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, you. I know the guy that guarded me, I thought, was the best was Dennis Johnson. Oh, yeah.
1: DJ was a shutdown defender. But no one shut you down. I don't remember anyone shutting you down.
3: No, I mean, okay, okay. When Dennis guarded me, I got a heart. (laughs) Okay.
1: (laughs) You, I, I know for a fact, I remember that it was coming down to the last game of the year, and it was between you and David Thompson. Can't recall the year. But I know he put up something like 70 or 80. 71, 71. 70. Yeah,
0: I think it was 71.
1: In, in, in Ice, you needed something like 56 or 59. Yeah, you? I needed 59. 59.
3: 59. You scored 73. So that's it. That's
1: it. But you put up like 63.
3: Yeah. See, yeah. Yeah, I put up 63. Yeah.
1: In 33 minutes. Who does that? <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's unheard of. You so you went in there on a mission. There's no doubt about it. What's registering in your mind when this is going on? That's that must gonna... have been incredible.
3: You know fifty nine I needed fifty nine. That was registering in my mind. You know, just get it. so just think, man, you going in the game knowing in order to be a scoring champ, yeah. you need fifty nine. I couldn't have done it without my teammates, yeah. man. My teammates knew I needed fifty nine.
0: Who was getting you the ball on that?
3: All of them. Everybody. <laughs> they were setting. Just man, it was man, it was uh, incredible. I, I owe my first basketball NBA scoring champ yeah, to you, my, the, the San Antonio's first teammates of mine at, that year.
1: You got that four times. You you led the NBA four times. In yeah,
3: yeah, I got it four times, man. Uh, That's all right. Yeah, it was good, man. I, you know, I, I love it, though, y'all. I mean, I love the game, man. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate my opportunity to play, and, yeah. You know, I appreciate what the get the game done for me. Uh, you know, it educated me. You know, uh, it, it made me money. I mean, you know, I was able to take care of my family. So the game is good to me, man. And, you know, that's why I keep getting back to dropping dime, man. A lot of these guys, man, they was around that time with me. And, you know, they need assistance, man. Right. Uh, you know, if you, if you look at history, man, and, and I know this can happen because David Stern, when David Stern was commissioned, he went back to the pre-60s, and he was able to get the pre-60 guy a pension. So I already know it can happen. We just got to continue to be a voice, you know, and, and, and let, you know, the, 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 the NBA... You know, uh, uh, people know that our guys that help develop this league need some services.
0: Well, that being said, we're talking with NBA great, ABA great, the king of smooth, mm-hmm. the Ice Man George Gervin. Of course, we're campaigning for the Dropping Dimes Foundation. And as George had alluded to, it's a foundation for former ABA basketball players that were promised a pension when the leagues merged into the NBA, and then the NBA powers that be actually reneged on that deal. So there's about 100 players left that could have pensions if the NBA actually honored what they had said they do. Is that right, George?
3: Yeah, you know, man, I I I really believe that the NBA will, too, man. Good. I mean, uh, you know, the NBA is, uh, you know, I mean, look what it developed to, man. Right. I mean, the NBA developed, man. I mean, in order to develop, again, I keep saying foundation. I mean, these ABA guys is a part of that foundation. I mean, and they should be uh, compensated for it. Uh, and you know, uh, we ain't telling them the NBA to do it, we asked them. You know, we yeah. you know, we ask them to, to reach out to these guys. I mean, 'cause they ain't got loan. I mean, we losing, we losing five or six of them a year. You know, I mean, look how many we just lost just lately. You know, George Carter, Bird, Avery, man. I mean, we we lost some guys, man, in my, that played with me. You know, so I mean, these guys don't have long, man, and they don't have anything, man. So. You know, we just asked and uh, to, to, you know, to reach out to these guys, man, because they are, are a part of your association. That's right. You know, uh, you know, to what this league have became. So that's, you know, that's all we really asked. And then the Dropping Dines Foundation, man, uh, you know, Scott uh, and, and and his foundation, man, that he started, man. He's a lover of the ABA guys and. Just like you guys. I mean, you know, you grew up watching us. I mean, uh, you know, uh,
0: these guys need a helping hand. Absolutely. And, of course, you're talking about Scott Totter, who's out there in Indiana. And I know this for a fact, that people for years said that Dr. J was the ABA and he revitalized the NBA. But what they left out is he wasn't alone, he was not alone. He had an architect team of George Gervin, George McGinnis, David Thompson, Moses Malone, Otis Gilmore,
1: Dan Issel. Maurice
0: Lucas, Dan Essel, the oh, list goes on oh, and on. Oh. Billy Knight. I can give you some more names if you want. If you want to test my ABA knowledge, I'm ready for the test, George. Like, Super John. Williamson. Oh, I love ah. <laughs> Larry Keenan. Special K. Darnell Hillman. And believe it or not, back in the day, my afro could rival Darnell Hillman's (laughs) afro there. Yeah,
1: Yeah, but your six-inch vertical couldn't. (laughs) (laughs) We weren't gifted with the jumping ability.
0: (laughs) So, George, let's figure this out right now. I want to come up with a slogan if we can. For the Dropping Dines Foundation, we're going to be behind you 100%. We're going to be very vocal here in New England, and, of course, where the Celtics are up here, anything that we can do to help you and the rest of the crew at any time, we want you to reach out to us in any form or fashion. But if we were to tell our listeners here today that we're ABA fans and still are ABA fans, how can they help these guys out?
3: Well, the drop-and-down, man, you know, dropping drop down man, you pull up the drop and down foundation, and, you know, they got a, a, a donation uh, area where you can donate and, 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 and you know, and, and help some of these uh, these guys in dire need. Uh, you know, I know a lot of people in this country need help, I mean, so I, I never take that for granted. Uh, but you're a sports fan, man, and, you know, and you know anything about the ABA, any penny would help, man. Sure. And, uh, and everything goes to the uh, the needs of the guys that don't have anything. So uh, the drop-and-dime, man, I mean, they've been helping with burials. Uh, they've been helping with, you know, like wheelchairs for guys. I mean, helping these guys and all that need housing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's a great, great organization, man, that uh, guys just care about guys in need and that's you know, that's all we'd be asking, man, and and I'd be thankful for anything that anybody have to offer. That's great. Love that.
1: George, I appreciate you taking the time just to talk with us and reminisce a little bit. I mean, you you meant the world to us. I'm not kidding you when I say that. I mean, you're talking it's like we're back to being little kids and I'm getting to talk to one of my my heroes, and... You hey, and the, man,
3: that's, you know, yeah. I love it, man. I, yeah. mean, I you know, I love basketball. I love people, man, and I, I really do appreciate you guys, man, for, you know, being a voice for us.
0: Man. Absolutely. Um, we really do, man. We'll continue to we, do that. We are going to continue, and I was going to say this, George. They said the difference between a three-pointer and a dunk for Dr. J was two steps. And the difference between... A finger roll that hits to the top of the backboard oh. and can knock the change off that David Thompson had put up there. <laughs> the answer is a two-word answer, yeah. and that answer is George Gervin.
3: George Gervin, <laughs> <laughs> man.
1: <laughs>
0: How's that? <laughs> I'm good. Yeah, uh,
1: George is just the coolest guy. You are the, you are cool. You're so cool.
0: Still are cool. Yeah. Yeah. All right, George Gervin. Thank you again for coming on, Gary Levitt and friends here this morning. Folks, the King of Cool, the Iceman, George Gervin. How about one more round of applause? Right, right. Woohoo! Woohoo! Baby! Yeah. Hey man, thank you, guys. Thank you.
3: Thank you. I appreciate you. Okay.
1: Yeah. yeah love you, George. Thanks Take care, George. You're the best. All
3: right, thanks. Bye-bye. Right, bye-bye. bye-bye.